Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to We Just Can't Seem to Catch a Break podcast, Josh Squared. I'm Miller, and I'm joined by... Gregor. And this has definitely been one of those days where none of our plans have worked out at all. We got up late, as per usual, to go to Yosemite because neither one of us are early risers. I don't think we've kept that a secret at all during this trip. I don't think we've actually ever mentioned it either. Have we? Uh, maybe a couple of times we have. I could swear we did. Anyway, we left at maybe... I'm going to say 1 o'clock-ish? Something like that. What did you just lay on? My chocolate raisins and something else. Ah. The chocolate raisins and other such related things will be mentioned and explained later on. So, we get there... Only to find out that we needed reservations months in advance. I'm not talking about two or three months earlier than this. I'm talking as far back as January. And that's just for a lottery to get reservations for any particular day. So Not to mention that we literally like didn't even formulate this thing until February. So, yeah... We were pretty much SOL from the beginning on that one. What does SOL mean for those of you who don't know, including me? Uh, the curse word starting with S and then out of luck. Ah. I'm probably not being picked up on the mic pretty well. No, probably not, given that you're laying on your bed away from the mic. Yeah. So, following that, we went back here... Or rather, we drove back the way we came in order to find an area with a Wi-Fi signal so that hopefully we could get reservations. And unfortunately, that's when we discovered we had to get reservations months in advance. So that didn't end up happening. I just think it's stupid how you have to get a reservation and then even still, it's still a lottery. Yeah, that is rather stupid. It's like, oh, you might get this day or you will never get this day. I'm not even sure if this had anything to do with COVID. I don't know if they've always done it this way. I feel, no, the lady at the store mentioned that it wasn't like that all this way. Um, she did say that people would like leave their cars in idling, just sitting around causing pollution. All that fun stuff. Yeah, and California is one of those states that are more anti-pollution than most other states in the country. Anti-pollution in theory, not so much in practice, given that this is the most populated state in the Union, including Alaska and Hawaii. Well, actually, some of the cities are actually trying to push for a 100% like percent, uh, non-waste cities. There's actually um, a thing, I think San... It's either San Diego or San Francisco that is currently at 75% waste-free, but not 100% because, you know, it is a city. Yeah, and we're still, they're still working out the kinks in that. And that doesn't really surprise me all that much, given that this place is home to Silicon Valley, which is where a lot of technological innovations tend to happen. Yeah, plus Silicon is one of the harder materials to find in and of itself. I find it interesting that they call it Silicon Valley, but it's you can pronounce the element as just silicon. I find it funny that they put the emphasis on the last syllable there. It's probably due to the fact that, like, we're Americans and we don't care. <laughs> that is very true. We have a colorful way with the English language. I mean, 
at first, well, after the break with England, we were like, we're going to change a couple of words and a couple of cha- uh, changing of spelling for that just to Americanize it. So that's why our English is specifically called American English. And this is just sort of one of those things that happens when a country establishes a colony on another landmass. The same thing happened with Portugal, and that's why Brazilian Portuguese is so different from Portuguese Portuguese. Mm-hmm. So... We went to a nearby store in order for, for jo- jo- Craiger had to get a pit stop again. Oi. <laughs> I can't help it. I know, but every time, man. Hey, at least it took us to a store. This is true. I, I, can't, I can't give you too much crap on this one. So we went there, and I politely asked the store clerks if I could connect to their Wi-Fi, which they were happy enough or they were kind enough to oblige so that's when we figured out exactly how far in advance you had to get reservations for yosemite and that didn't end up materializing at all yeah but since we were at a convenience store we decided to get a few things i got two chocolate bars two boxes of tea and a jar of honey because i miss honey and i got myself a uh, small bag of chocolate-covered raisins, which are pretty good, very <clears throat> filling, actually, shockingly enough, and a um, orange cream uh, popsicle. popsicle. Yeah, uh, because I love myself orange cream, and it's very hard to find, mm. at least for me, because I don't go into too many convenience stores. When you go have an ice cream, bag. when you go to Wise or anything like that, just look for a Dreamsicle. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, this was made by Nestle. I know. So are dream sickles. I. Anywho. <laughs> it so, was a dollar, so I didn't. Really so care. after we got back to our hotel room, after a fruitless drive to and from Yosemite, we went to the Mariposa Visitor Center, which is the city we're currently in, Mariposa. And I figured I could probably get some postcards there for my family. So I got a couple in order to send back already... Sign them, put the address on, the stamps, all that stuff. So I will be mailing those tomorrow morning on our way out of town. I still need to write on my postcards. <laughs> you might want to get on that. Yeah, I have like three in my backpack and another one sitting here. All of whom uh, are going to people. You shall see where they come from. Mm. Um. <clears throat> so following that... We immediately got on the computer in order to schedule campsites for the remainder of the trip. We are not going through this a second time. Yeah. So, we scheduled camp trips and the rest of our entire schedule. That's true. We have a campsite for two nights in the Redwood Forest, which we'll be heading to after San Francisco. And then after the Redwood Forest, it is going to be essentially a mad dash across the country to get back home and if all goes as planned we should be back home by the 25th if all goes according to plan if all goes according to plan this is us we're talking about here something could very easily go wrong and this day definitely qualifies as one of our many misadventures on this trip a good thing we have at least six days of space yes for things to go wrong anything past six days well then I'm not getting back to Maryland, or I'll be finding a plane really quickly. Yeah. You might... I might have to drop you off at an airport and then just drive everything back myself. 
Yeah, which would be unfortunate, and I personally don't want to leave you with that kind of responsibility. That's nah, fine. If all if all goes that poorly, you still have that wedding you need to get to, so... Which is why I'd be finding myself a plane. True. For a very expensive ticket. On a positive note, though, if you do get on the plane, that means I can blare my music as loud as I want. Wait, you like blaring your music? Yeah. The only reason I didn't do it is because you speak quietly and you tend to be very chatty most of the time. And under the best circumstances, I can barely hear you. (laughs) I mean, for that, I do have to apologize. I've just been raised in a quiet environment. That is true. However, you're not in that environment now. I need you to practically yell. I'm just not used to yelling. Like, how many times have you ever heard me yell? Very rarely. It's very rare. Yes. Because I don't like to. Unless you're trying to get someone's attention from a far distance away, like that time we went to uh, Pot Rocks in Gunpowder Falls State Park, and we found that small inner tube, and there were these people who were further upstream, and we had to yell at them to get their attention to ask if it belonged to them. Yeah, apparently your yell didn't get to it, but mine did. No, other way around. Was it? Your yell didn't work because you were trying to yell an entire sentence to them. I was just trying to yell one syllable to get their attention and then wave the inner tube so that they could see we had it. And then they would infer that we were asking if it was theirs. Yeah. I mean, like... I think that was one of the latter times, too. Because, like, I think you were shocked by how loud I was, was it? No, not really. Not really? Okay. I'm not sure... But, like, I don't. I just extremely don't like yelling. <laughs> that is true. And I'm not asking you to yell all the time in the car ride. I'm just asking you to speak loudly enough that I don't have to ask you to repeat yourself after the first time you speak. Yeah. So, for those of you um, who don't understand, like, why this is, like, a hot, like, one of our hotter topics yeah. that gets on both of our nerves... Um, me being, I don't like to speak up um, too much um, because usually most people do hear me. Um, but I understand that you were raised go karting, right? Yes, I grew up around the sound of motors and generators blaring loudly for several hours a day for typically both days of a weekend because. Back in my racing days, I would race for both days, Saturday and Sunday. So I'm kind of used to having to yell over the loud sounds, and it's funny. You don't realize how loud the motors and the generators are until you turn them off, and then for the first time all day, it's quiet. I mean, that also can, like, because of the loud motors, it can also bring slight hearing damage, so... Your hearing hearing might be a little bit worse than mine and some others. Uh, it's possible. And I know my father and brother, who are probably listening to this, know exactly what I'm talking about, given that my father was my mentor, my pit crew, and my crew chief, and my brother was another racer who was involved in this. Yeah, whereas I was raised in a a more quietish environment, Um, even though um, in my younger days from birth until I was, I think, seven, yeah, seven, um seven or eight until i moved out to kingsville where i live now uh i used to live in fullerton which was like um i think a couple blocks from the city limit 
Mm-hmm. Um, what isn't exactly the quietest place? What isn't exactly the loudest place? Now Kingsville is, well, <laughs> dead quiet. Um, so I never really had a loud environment until I got headphones for my PlayStation, which is when I then began to uh, turn volume <laughs> up on things. Um, and, like, if you blare your music, like, I, I'm actually more prone to start singing along with it, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've noticed that. And I haven't minded as much because, for one thing, I can't really hear you singing anyway. And as far as I can tell, you're not a bad singer. You're at least on key. So the fact that it goes along with the music doesn't bother me. Yeah. To um, sort of add to the loudness required if you've ever been to a miller family reunion you have to be reasonably loud in order to be heard that's not to say that the miller family is loud and obnoxious it's more so because the miller family has so many members in a relatively small area normally the reunions are at my place so if you want to be heard you have to be loud enough to be heard by the person you're talking to (laughs) yeah uh, that's not usually the case with um, Craiger family reunions. It's actually pretty quiet, and um, we do kind of space ourselves out, and we talk at like regular levels. You don't have to speak too loud mm. uh, to hear the next person beside you, because usually, if um, you want to talk to somebody, you kind of get up in their personal bubble. Mm. Um, but like, because we're family, we don't care getting up into each other's personal space. To give, uh, the, to give the listeners an idea of the size of the Miller family, my father is the youngest of six, and every single one of those siblings has at least two children. So that's about tw- that's at least ten of my cousins, which I can tell you from personal experience, it is more than ten of my cousins who come to the Miller family reunions, especially the Christmas parties. So you can get an idea of just how many people are in a house at one time. Yeah, usually um, whenever it'd be like a a family gathering, it'd be at um, one of the people's houses and um, we would just kind of, it's honestly like a pool party and it's out in the summer, so we're kind of outside the sound goes. So there's no need to be as loud. Whereas with the Miller family reunions, which... The most, the most, uh, the one that happens most frequently is probably Christmas, where it's too cold to go outside, so everyone's in the house. You're in an enclosed area. There's not a whole lot of things to absorb the sound. The wall, the sound bounces around the walls. So unless you're in the basement playing pool, playing on the pool table, or in someone else's room or office, just talking quietly you do have to speak at a certain volume. Yeah, I mean, I know how to speak at a certain volume. It's just that, like, in a car... You don't like doing it. I I don't like doing it, no. Um, I'm okay with, like, blaring music because usually that's enough stimulus for my brain until I've heard the song at least five times again and again. But when it gets to the point where you're trying to tell me something, I have to turn the music down to the point where I can hardly hear it just to hear what you've said. And that's after I've told you to speak up. It has gotten to the point where I have tried to tell him as obnoxiously as I can to speak up in the hopes that he will get mad and yell at me out of frustration just so he can be loud enough and hopefully get through his head that hey you've got to speak up around me otherwise i'm not gonna hear you 
Ah, so that's why. Okay, so here, here's this from my point of view. Yes, it is obnoxious. Yes, it's frustrating and irritating. However, oh, yeah. However, I extremely, extremely hate, like, raising my voice because someone's yelling at me. This is our poor communication aspect. Yeah. Um, if if you yell at me, my general response is to shut down and become more quiet. And you want to de-escalate the situation. Yes, that is my initial situation because this happens a lot. Some, yeah. or Not a lot, but like it sometimes happens with me and my mom. My mom will get angry at me. I will raise my voice once and then bring it extremely down, mm-hmm. like way down, because I'm de-escalating the situation. I'm like, hey, listen, and like that's it. It's high, low, extremely quick, and I'm like, listen, I'm trying to explain this one thing carefully and slowly so you understand. Mm. That's why when you yell, I usually just wave my hand and give up because I'm just like, I'm not going to yell, yeah. I'm not going to escalate the situation because I really don't want to. If you... It's more like, if you want me to speak up, you have to... Yes, I know it's like annoying, but you'll have to ask me kindly. Um, If I'm asked kindly, like, can you speak up, please? I am more likely to respond pleasantly and will agreeably do it. Um, Because over the past few weeks, when I've asked you, or at least yelled at you obnoxiously to speak up, trust me, I know exactly how obnoxious I'm being when I do that. And it's by design, in the hopes that it will get through your head, that I need you to speak up loudly the first time. Otherwise, I'm going to have to ask you again, and it's obnoxious for the both of us. I don't like having to ask you to speak up every time you have something to say in the car. And, like... I don't. I, I honestly don't mind repeating myself. I know. I just feel obnoxious having to ask you to do it so frequently when you could just say it loudly enough for me to hear it the first time, and it would save both of us a bit of trouble. I think. Yeah, and like there have been times where, I, like, I think you've seen me like try to speak up um, every here and there, um, but like it's just like I guess because like, butting heads at that point mm-hmm. uh, because like. We still do have our differences in the ways that we were raised. It's nature versus nurture. My nature is to be more quiet as it's come up in my nurturing. Then it's it's in your nurturing. It's not necessarily in your nature. Well, it's become part of my nature due to the nurture. So it's still technically part of the nurture. Nature is referring to genetics. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it is the nurture. Your nurture was to be loud. (laughs) No, actually, growing up, I was a pretty quiet kid. I learned that I needed to be loud and, frankly, a little bit obnoxious because my family is notorious for interrupting each other so frequently. Even at the dinner table where I'm trying to discuss something with my family or I'm trying to tell them a story, my mother, in particular, will interrupt me in order to ask for a clarification or interrupt me just because she has a comment, and I'm lucky if I can get two sentences finished without an interruption. So, I was actually, like, reading up on something um, about, like, conversations. If someone interrupts you, just keep talking. Like, literally, like, don't stop. Um, The thing is, I was raised that you don't interrupt someone, you let them finish. So whenever I'm interrupted, I instantly shut up because it's my nature to let them finish. And frankly, I hate that because 
It feels like I'm not getting the respect that I'm giving them, and it drives me insane. Yeah. Most people will assume that, oh, you're done because you got quiet. If you just keep talking, they'll back off. Um, it's a little thing that where people have to butt heads in order to understand one another. It's a, it's honestly a very weird thing how, like, sometimes in order for people to get a point across, you have to butt heads. Yeah. And growing up, whenever I was told to keep quiet, I guess I sort of got it into my head that my voice wasn't worth hearing. That what I had to say wasn't worth listening to. So now, whenever I lose my temper over being interrupted, it feels like I have to verbally browbeat the person who interrupted me about how much I hate that they did that, and then get back to what I was talking about before I was rudely interrupted. Honestly, I do feel that sentiment, not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, because even I, like as a kid, like uh, I was interrupted a lot when I would try and yeah. like, say a joke or something at the table. Um, and like I'd get interrupted and I just like kind of got like fed up with it. And so, like, every time someone actually interrupts me, I kind of give, like, this, like, scornful glare and at the person who interrupted me. Or, like, I look off in the distance, like, I make it obvious to the person who interrupted me, like, you interrupted me, you don't deserve to hear me now. Yeah. Like, I, I make it, like, a switch situation instead of, like, hey... Like, you interrupted me. How dare you? Now it's just like, okay, you interrupted me. Guess my opinion and what I want to say is no longer important, so I will shut myself up. And now that's your problem. <laughs> now that is a method I've not tried before. I might give that a shot at some point. Honestly, it's a bit snarky. And it is. It's very snarky. And, like, you know, I'm sometimes quite snarky. You can be, yeah. Um, that's why, like, whenever, like, I, like... Whenever I wave my hand, I'm like, it's not important because you say, can you speak up <laughs> to me, which I extremely hate. I'm just like, that's like, I don't care. <laughs> like you're sort of like whenever I am purposefully obnoxious and ask you to speak up, you just sort of let it roll off your back like, ugh, this isn't worth my time. Essentially. Okay. Like, you, you've seen me do that yes. a couple of times. Yeah, I've seen you do the hand wave and, and you're all that. just like, oh, like, your like, face is just like, really? <laughs> are you kidding me, dude? I just want to hear you. I just want to hear you clearly the first time. Yeah, and like, if you, if, like, honestly, like, just ask me to speak up. I have really good hearing. I will hear you. Just say it kindly, and I will respond exactly the way you want me to. It's just hard sometimes because you know the car isn't very aerodynamic, right? <laughs> it has the aerodynamics of a brick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially. So, unlike in other more slanted cars like my father's Mercedes, the wind just kind of beats up against the mostly vertical windshield. So we hear it much more easily. So I'm hearing it and I'm trying to hear you over it. And you're rarely, you're, you're rarely louder than that air the first time you speak. And that's why I have to ask you to speak up. Okay. Yeah. I feel like this is some kind of weird friend therapy for this. It is. This is very unusual. I mean, like, honestly, audience, like, hey, this is us, like, figuring things out. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Because, like, we've talked about our day, and there's nothing else, honestly, left to talk about it. Because after we came back, we you know, we just kind of 
sat in front of our computers, I watched Saw 4. Yes, I'm still going through the series. For reasons which escape me. Yeah, I don't even know why either. I'm just a glutton for punishment sometimes. You're a glutton for psychological masochism at this point. Honestly, uh, this isn't the first time I've done this. Uh, <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> I don't know how I'm still sane. Mr. and Mrs. Kreger, if he comes back psychologically scarred, I swear it's not my fault. It won't be. It's honestly my entire fault for watching the Saw series. Yes, and I'm I'm going to blame you for it every time you freak out about it. I mean, I watched Saw 1 through 3, like, each day in a row. I took a small, like, like, two, three day break, and now I'm on Saw 4. I'm probably going to watch Saw 5 tomorrow. Oh, I thought you'd be watching it tonight. No. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting more bloody and gory, and... um, I think that's what happens when you have to give up plot. And this... While while we're on the subject here, this is sort of my problem with the horror genre itself in both movies and books, and it's that there's rarely any new ideas. Most of the time nowadays, it's either a remake or a sequel that no one asked for. I want more blood in my movie, said the movie director. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Because they have no new ideas. Yeah. New ideas are few and far to come. Oh, this is another sheet? Um, (laughs) I was like, man, I swear there should be more sheets when they sleep. Um, And it's, it's it's not that there isn't material out there to be used. Like, one of my favorite... Uh, horror writers is H.P. Lovecraft. Now, he's not the most... He's only famous in certain circles. Cthulhu. Exactly. For his creation of the Cthulhu mythos. And he hasn't exactly gotten a glowing reputation in actually the standards of the time he was writing. He died in the late 1930s at the age of 46 from intestinal cancer, I think it was. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So, mostly unknown in his own time, and nowadays, given that it was the 1920s and 30s, he was severely racist, even by the standards of the time, and as a result, many of his works have not aged well at all. I mean, if you could forgive his racism, the books are quite good. They're very good, and they're very interesting. The problem is that his... his, crazy pantheon of brain-melting nightmare gods frequently take a backseat to his own racist neuroses. And fortunately, on the rare, on the incredibly rare occasions where his work is adapted to a film medium, they leave the racism out, which I really appreciate because I'm not interested in his views on the color of people's skin. I'm interested in his pantheon that he's created, which is terrifying and amazing all at once, and that's what I want more of. Thankfully, so many horror writers nowadays were inspired by his work, and they're leaving a lot of the racism behind because the the nightmares that he wrote about are the really interesting parts of the stories. So, like, I know there's, like, some guy who's called, like, the father of horror movies. I'm looking that up, like, right now. Um, it was, like, back when films were black and white. Wouldn't that be Alfred Hitchcock? That might be. Let me see. He's been called the master of suspense. No. It's, um... George A. Romero. Romero, yes. He is the one who created the modern concept of the zombie. 
Yeah. Like the slow, shuffling corpse that wants to devour human flesh. That was him. Yeah, I know that there was, like, actually, like, a previous term to zombie. Um, so here's another tangent, folks. Do you mind if I interrupt? Not at all. Okay, so... I, I didn't really have anything to say on that. Oh, cool. So um, I took a um, class, um, I believe it was my first yeah first year of college it was my one of my first class that i ever went to is called um it was actually supposedly under the dance category somehow dance it, yeah it was called um colonial imperialism and dance i was like oh cool so what? yeah what what does what what do those two have to do with each other honestly i don't even know um the class was more <laughs> geared towards like colonial imperialism and how it sucks. I'm just like, we didn't even learn about dance in this class. I was upset. <laughs> I was what did dance have to do with it then? Nothing apparently. Um, I swear, we didn't even learn a single dance. We just learned about lighting and stuff. But anyways, getting back to the point at hand. Don't play with my knife. I'm not playing with your knife. I'm admiring the artwork on the blade. Okay. Anyways. So while he admires the artwork on the blaze, blade, <laughs> the blaze, ooh, it's on fire. Um, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Ooh, let's not. Yeah. Um, so there is a concept zombie. Zombie um, originally was just those under, um, under heavy drug influence. This was the thing that Ray was like raised up in the Bahamian cultures, Jamaican cultures, and a little bit of New Orleans culture. Uh, what you're talking about is the voodoo variant where someone is controlled by someone else. The, yes. It was the original concept of zombie. They're drugged. They're being controlled by someone else. Um, then later on, uh, George A. Romero took it upon himself to rebrand the zombie because at that time, zombie was spelled <clears throat> Z-O-M-B-I. Um, but he changed it to Z-O-M-B-I-E. Um, that was the new zombie where the zombie just kind of shuffles really slow, kind of has a, uh, like, not really, like, decaying yet, because at the time, like, the decaying factor wasn't really a thing. It's like, brains, and I'm gonna attack you, <laughs> kind of thing, and just, like, end your life. You know, it's kind of funny, the brains thing didn't really come about until another variant that happened uh, a couple of decades after Romero's first film, which introduced the modern zombie, which is aptly named Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, my teacher, my um, math teacher from uh, high school is like... <laughs> he... he <laughs> um, every time I think about it, this man is named Mr. McGrath. Funniest... Funny to me, at least. Okay. Because I got his humor. Uh, he was like, come on, kids, like, all of you are, like, stuck to your cell phones. Like, what is this, the night of the living dead? I thought it was so funny. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, he mentioned that, like, at the time I had no idea what the movie was. But now that, like, I'm a bit older and I've actually watched his films, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, he was actually really savage. I don't, I'm not <laughs> sure. Oh, wait, I, I see what he's doing because I was confused at first. Now I get it. Yeah, he's just, like, basically calling us dead zombies <laughs> stuck to our cell phones. Instead of, instead of eating brains, they're just glued, their eyes are just glued to the cell phone. Yeah. Um, and also because, like, no one would get up to, like, answer the question. Like, he actually, like, would ignore my hand raised <laughs> because, like, I was just, I was, like, ready, roaring to go. I, and, like, 
honestly, in high school, I stopped hating math. Really? Yeah, I actually was just like, you know what, math is all right. Um, I wish I could say the same. The only form of math that I found interesting was geometry. I actually almost failed geometry. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, my mom can certainly attest to this. She actually had a meeting with my um, geometry teacher. Um, honestly, I did not like my geometry teacher. I will not name her because... Probably for the best. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, honestly I, I just feel like I didn't learn anything in class. Mm. She was just like, read your books, kids. Great. My, um, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. And um, in, in the class, a lot of the time, she tried to be hip with the kids. She so, tried to be hip? Hip with the kids. Like, being like, haha, you're really funny as a class clown. No one cares. I didn't care about the class clown. I'm like, look, I'm trying to learn. I don't get it. I'm not understanding. And, like, I'd be like, I really don't understand it. Proofing of triangles. I hate proofing of triangles. Now, that I didn't have to deal with. I... This was the thing that, like, happened from, like, day one all the way until the end of, like, the entire year was proving a triangle is a triangle. I'm like, it has three sides. Triangle. It has three angles, all of which add up to 180 degrees. Yes. It's like, boom, triangle. And, like, you can't do it any other way. Or at least that's the Euclidean model of the triangle. The non-Euclidean one, that opens up to a bit of... Well, let's just say geometry gets a bit more interesting and a bit more brain-melting. I mean, how can, like, a triangle have more than 180 degrees? You know, here, I can't really show our audience, but let's pretend that the mic, because it's round, is sort of like a globe. Okay. I can show you a triangle that has three 90-degree angles, adding up to a total of 270. What? Yeah, check this out. Now, for those of you that don't know, non-Euclidean geometry is basically just geometry on a curved surface. The geometry that you learned in high school is Euclidean geometry, which is the bare basics. And that's not to say it's wrong. It's just, it's not as applicable in the real world. So here, let's start right here. You see this dot right here on the mic? Yeah. So I'm going to use that. I'm going to go down here until I'm about, about at the halfway point. Now I'm going to go across here to where it's right around here. And I'm gonna cross this red one right here. That's a 3D triangle. <laughs> no, it isn't. What? It's a 2D triangle on a globe, which is curved, and all three corners are 90 degrees. It goes off the X and Y and goes into X, Y, and Z. Exactly. So that's okay. I mean, that does make sense. It's just, in my opinion, still though, like, all of these triangles, like, in the, in the class that I had, were all on a 2D surface. There was no Z. It was only X and Y. Hence the term Euclidean there. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Euclid was a Greek mathematician who created a book called The Elements, which basically has a series of, I believe it was 13 postulates, which goes into the very bare bones of geometry, which has basically survived to this very day, and it's designed so that no system in it will go... It, everything, as you go through the postulates, everything builds off of one another, so that no postulate that comes that... Like, postulate four will not use anything that comes after it, but instead will use everything from the first three before it 
to explain itself, and so on. Is that what postulate means? No, I actually don't know what it means. Well, let's look it up real quick. All right, why not? Uh, say say stuff to the mic while I look this up. What, you want me to just talk to the audience and spitball? how do you spell oh, postulate? Fantastic. Okay, definition it? of postulate is uh, suggest... Okay, probably everyone heard the <laughs> of the mic. At least they'll hear us clearly. Yeah, postulate is suggest or assume the exi- well the verb form is suggest or assume the existence, fact, or truth of something as a basis for reasoning, discussion, or belief. Um, and the noun is a thing suggested or assumed as true as the basis for reasoning, discussion, or belief. Obviously, we're sticking with the noun definition here. Yeah. So sorry for the of the microphone, but um, I had to I had to move the mic because he was facing away from it. And you would probably have not heard me as I was speaking directly into my computer. Um, yeah, next which, time next time just move the laptop right here. Yeah, I mean this is also one of the rare times that I actually have my lap- laptop open. That's true. I mean usually my laptop has always been open and I'm just kind of keeping it awake, but like I've never actually used it in the middle of the podcast. Oh, I see. So for all of you this time, that's why like there's like these random pauses um, where I'm actually like looking up random things because like I don't know, <laughs> like I just I just can't um, get past that point. This has definitely been the episode that I think so far has gone the most into our personal lives before this trip started. I mean, I think this, yeah, even though, like, day was our day of, or not day eight. Eighteen? <laughs> day one. Day, day one. one. Day one. Day one. Day one is where um, we started to, like, introduce ourselves, but, like, we never went, like, super deep into our lives and, like, what we do. That's because we were so bloody tired from traveling for 12 plus hours that day. And that was our first time, and we're going to be doing that again later on. Oh, joy. From, I think, some Sanoa? Selena. Selena, yes, thank you. Selena to Waterloo. So, from Selena, Kansas to Waterloo, Indiana. Uh, we will be traveling at the speed of light. They call me Mr. Fahrenheit. Kind of make a supersonic man out of you. I'm definitely going to need to put on my road trip playlist for that entire thing. Don't stop me now. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the point. Yeah. So that that's, I think I, that's going to be our longest drive. We have another one that's like nine, but that's, that's, that's... from Redwood Forest to Spokane, is it? No, no. I think the one from, no, no. Cause we're going to, we're going to do, we're going to go through Crater Lake and then we're going to do uh, a night in Madras, just to rest for the night, and then immediately drive to Spokane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we could go on pretty much all night talking about random stuff, given that that's exactly what we've been doing for the majority of this episode. Honestly, we all, like, both of us just gave you, like, a couple <laughs> little lessons on things that y'all probably don't even care about, but yeah. hey, now you know. We, we've, we've basically just been riffing this entire episode. I mean, <laughs> honestly, the longest episodes that we've had is where we have absolutely nothing to do and talk about of the day. And, and we're just, just rolling with it and seeing what comes out. This is basically a stream of consciousness at this point. Yeah. <laughs> we're, I feel like we're going to listen back on these episodes one day and being like, we really said that? It probably. I mean, like, hey, it's like a cool little lesson, especially about the zombies. And, like, now I know the that um, 90 degree triangle triangle thing. Who is it by again? Euclid. Euclidean tri- triangulation. <laughs> Actually, that was non-Euclidean geometry, which 
didn't really come about until men or mathematicians like uh, well first it was um, Arabian mathematicians such as Al-Batani, Al-Tusi, Al-Khwarizmi, Omar Khayyam, and many others whose names I don't know. And then their work was expanded upon by René Descartes and Isaac Newton, and then even further along by mathematicians like uh, Bernard Riemann, Friedrich Gauss, along with uh, Janos Bulyai and Nikolai Ivanovich Lobachevsky. Mm. I do a lot of history, I told you this. Yeah. This reminds me, I'm going to have to show you something later about um, numbers and why they are as such. Well, you mean like why they're written the way they are? Because we use the Arabic numeral system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like why why the numbers are written by Well, it way. started out from the Hindi numeral system, which was then adopted by the Arabs. And then I'm guessing the Arab system was adopted during the Crusades. Mm, yeah. Anyways, uh, I guess that's about everything that we're going to talk about today wow 40 minutes um (laughs) this is our longest episode last time was our longest episode and now we just broke that record i feel like if we just keep riffing and and just continuing our stream of consciousness level or a routine of the episodes i feel like we're going to be on here for maybe an hour and a half at some point yeah so um, I mean, as soon, as soon as we hit like an hour mark, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna. <laughs> we, we need to cut this off. Yeah, and that's honestly probably gonna be what our last episode is gonna be like. This is definitely when we land back in Maryland. This is definitely a kind of digital time capsule for the madness that is our friendship and this entire trip. Yeah, I mean, like when we finally get back home, like we're gonna have that second to last and then we'll have the season finale yeah essentially after a week apart which we are really going to need from each other mm-hmm, because ladies and gentlemen this has been day 20 of the trip across the united states um this is june 7th 2021 i've I'm, been miller and i've been Gregor. and we'll see you tomorrow we are heading to san francisco tomorrow morning see ya